We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to week 17 of Solo Ship. I'm Scroll Patrol, joined by James DeLynn from One Week Season. Uh, James, I'm not in my regular location. Um, I'm actually in Naples, Florida this uh, this week. So, you look like, uh, uh, you look like you're AI generated or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got the virtual background. So, whenever <laughs> I move around, things are you know, kind of blurry. You can kind of see the closet behind me uh, here in the hotel. Uh, we actually had, we had no show last week. Uh, you were on the injured list. I was um, on the injured list. And then uh week before, we actually recorded early because I was going to Miami. I was in Florida again uh, for the FanDuel Live final. So it feels like forever since we've uh, done a show. How have you been? Yeah, uh, nothing's normal, huh? Because now, now you're traveling again. You, we were actually supposed to do the show yesterday, which I totally forgotten about. My work, work schedule didn't allow for it. So now we got uh, travel, which is good because I think an extra day on this week is valuable. But um yeah, I'm doing good. Feeling feeling better. It's weird. Uh, not that anybody cares, but laryngitis, like you don't feel it. In, like you don't feel fatigued or anything. You just your throat hurts a ton. At, and generally, like once you get past it, the the core of it, like the start of the day and the end of the day, your throat hurts. So like every morning, I wake up in in tremendous pain in my throat. End of the day, tremendous pain, but middle of the day feels okay. I can I can mostly talk. So uh, yeah, man, we're we're ready to roll and and uh, look at this interesting week seventeen slate. Yeah, so it's. Week 17, not quite week 18. Week 17 used to be the week where things went just went berserk. Um, you know, and you like Matt Flynn's the name that that uh, I remember, <laughs> right? Like Green Bay Packers quarterback that made millions of dollars. Um, we always have these like weird week 18 games. And we'll get to that next week where, you know, teams are starting their guys for just a, a half, sometimes just a quarter, sometimes just a few series, sometimes the whole game. Um, and you'll have like one or two games that are really competitive. We're starting to get into that a little bit with week 17. The thing that jumps out to me is we've got 13 games, and it almost feels like 100 after like a bunch of 10 game slates, and then I think finally a nine game slate. Now we're to like 13 games, and it feels like there's offense and cheap quarterbacks everywhere. And part of the cheap quarterbacks is starting to get into that end of season team switching things up. You know, they want to see what they have in different guys. Um, but you know, we've had a bunch of turnover at the quarterback position, especially you know, last few weeks, and 
even more this week. Um, and in, especially on DraftKings, you just got a ton of cheap quarterbacks. Um, and with 13 games, and it was just, you know, we we lost the Browns, unfortunately, to the game last night. But other than that, all the premier offenses uh, feels like are on this slate. Uh, what are your thoughts, initial thoughts on the week? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. Usually you see like the young quarterbacks coming in, right? Or Jarrett Stidham coming in because they don't want Russell Wilson to get injured and they have to pay him extra money. So kind of funny that the the commanders have Jacoby Brissett starting, assuming health. Uh, the Giants have Tyrod Taylor starting. Like we're done seeing what, what we have with our young guys. Um, yeah, so uh, it's an interesting week. You, you mentioned 13 games, obviously last week, nine games, and it felt like an even smaller slate than that. Um, so I was realizing when I was putting together my player pool this morning, there's like six games that I'm not focused on at all. And it's not that you can't pull pieces from them, but it's I, one of them is Raiders and Colts. So I like the running backs in that game, but um, all of my wide receivers are from these other seven games. And in all seven of those games, I kind of like the quarterbacks as well, you know, maybe not as core pieces, but um, so basically all that to say, like, I don't really have any one-off wide receiver pieces from these other six games and, and, you know, Patriots and bills, like you can make a case for, uh, some of the wide receivers in that game or uh, Panthers and Jags, you can make case for Panthers wide receivers, Steelers, Seahawks, you can make case for those. But it's kind of like I've got these six games where I, they're almost just off the table for me. And it's not as much. It's not it wasn't intentional. Like, oh, it's a 13 game slate. So now um, it, it's just sort of the way that the week sets up where um, there's quarterbacks to like in these other games. I like the wide receivers attached to those quarterbacks. I like the upside. And so, uh, yeah, I'll be building kind of heavily around this like sort of half of the slate really is how I look at it. Yeah. Uh, so 13 games, I guess there is an argument for stacking more that like some game is probably going to go off and that's probably going to be the, the game that you need to have. Um, I feel like it's, it, you know, with two game slates and like three game slates, we've, we've had a handful of lately. I, I like the game stack a lot because um, chances are like if just one of the games outscores the others. Um, and that's more likely to happen obviously when you have like just two or three games. Um I feel like medium-sized slates, I don't like to stack as much uh, because it's just a greater chance you have like a couple of games that both have high totals, you know, or high scores, um, but neither of those games actually separates themselves. I feel like 13 games, and this is more anecdotal than like data-driven, but uh, it it feels like you have a better chance of one of these games really just out, outpacing the others. Um, and so I think I'll probably have more interest in stacking. I actually, I have some interest in these cheap quarterbacks. I, it's a good point that you made that, yeah, like teams have decided we've seen our young guys already. Now we're done with that. And we're going to you know, go back to the veterans. Um, I, I think it, it, this might be a drafting specific thing, but I have some interest in the, the cheap quarterbacks. Um, do you see like any differentiation or any interest in like Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Jared Stidham? Um, even I, I guess Zappi is, is kind of on there. Um, I, I counted 10 quarterbacks at 5,300 or cheaper on DraftKings. Yeah, Tyrod's the only one on my on my list and it's a function of like how do these guys play quarterbacks? What's the range of outcomes? So Tyrod he's going to get, you know, 1 to 3 points with his legs and he's not a risk-taking quarterback. He's basically going to take the underneath throws and so you kind of know like the last time that he played uh was the only time all year that I was heavy on Darren Waller and Waller put up 22 points in that game and uh like missed a uh, catch in the end zone. I think he got hit like right when he caught it and uh, barely didn't come down with it. So that would have been like a, this, this touchdown that he didn't get that would have put him up like around 29 points. So like his range of outcomes goes up dramatically. And it's not, it's not just 
him being healthy and how he's using this offense, but it's also like what Tyrod Taylor is going to look to do. Tyrod Taylor is not looking for the downfield throw. So, you know, you're probably not getting a 25 to 30 pointer from Tyrod Taylor, but you're also probably not getting a eight pointer from Tyrod Taylor. So you kind of feel pretty comfortable that you're getting in this. If you think about like a $4,600 player and you're getting in this 14 to 22 point range uh, and you've got this nice stacking partner with him. So Tyrod's really the one who stands out to me and it's less about him and it's more about, I think there's a lot of fun that we can have on this slate with with salary allocation because I think that the field is going to get so fixated on CMC and Kyron Williams who, you know, Kyron Williams, three of his last five games have been 20 points and below. CMC, four of his last seven games have been 22 points and below. Like they're capable of scoring 30 plus. They're also capable of both scoring 20. And so it's like, well, what if you don't play those guys and then you allocate that salary to two or three of these higher price wide receivers and then, you know, the, the quarterback situation gives you some flexibility there. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I like about the, the quarterback situation is more like, what if Hertz only, only scores 27? What if Lamar only scores 22? What if Tua scores in the low 20s? Like all these high-priced guys kind of score down there and then Tyrod gets you 20. Um, and then, you know, you also get these high-priced wide receivers that other people won't have. So, yeah, I see this very much like a salary allocation week is what's really in, intriguing to me because I think a lot of these high-priced wide receivers are going to go overlooked this week. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm kind of seeing the week the same way that I, I think people are going to go to the high price running backs. And it's, it's interesting. It's like we've come full circle over the years. Um, it's almost like we're back to running backs. They spend up at running back. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams are going to get a lot of attention this week. It, it's interesting. Kyron did not have very high ownership projections. Um, and I'm not sure what was driving that. There's a question on the Road to Riders expert survey that's like, you know, what, what player with less than 10% ownership but you know, are you heavily interested in this week? I'm like Kyron Williams, but I think he's going to come in way over 10%. Um, but I, that's interesting. I actually had to look up the uh, his game log when you mentioned he's gone under 20 uh, two out of the last three weeks. That That's actually true. I think three out of the last four, he's been right around 20 points. Um, but I, I still think like that offense is in a good spot. Um, and, and so I think people will go there. People are definitely going to go to Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, San Francisco has got, a, I think, the highest implied point total on the week and one of the higher implied point totals I think we've seen this season. It's almost a yeah. 32. Um, so, yeah, I think the some of the wide receivers are going to go overlooked. Actually, I think some of the running backs right under those two are going to go overlooked. I think Travis Etienne um, is in potentially a good spot, but we'll see what happens with um, uh, with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's still questionable. Um, I, actually, I actually think the running back position might also – be defined in part and maybe the whole week by the Kansas city running back situation. Right. Cause I think if we get Clyde Edwards, a without um, Isaiah Pacheco, that gives us a lot of savings on an offense that might be running the ball a lot. I mean, you know, the primary running back in Kansas city, like if you're getting him pretty cheap and the, the backups are all gone, um, it would be Clyde Edwards, a in that case. But I, I think people will go there with like very high ownership, but then if it's Pacheco is back, you know, he's more expensive and then there's a potential timeshare. Um, so yeah, I guess any thoughts on the, the Kansas city running back situation or the running backs in general? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess people have been paying, people have been paying the price tag on Pacheco and he hasn't really paid off for them. Like theoretically Pacheco could post a big game if he's back, but it's hard for me to see like, cause ownership is going to be low on him if he gets cleared on Saturday and he's back, but it's hard for me to see like the real edge that he provides. I do think that if Clyde Edwards Solaire is out there, same thing with Zamir white, like, both these guys could could easily score under 10 points, but both these guys could also easily score 22 to 25. And so that's sort of like given the range that they can score and the price tags they have, I don't mind eating the chalk there. 
especially because I think that there's, I don't think a lot of people will play both of them together. And then there's a lot that you can do from a salary allocation standpoint in terms of how you attack wide receiver. That could be really interesting this week. So uh, yeah, I like, I like those cheaper running back options because again, if we want to rewind even farther, if we want to go back to like 2014, 2015, where we understood like, man, any running back that's getting 20 touches and is cheap, just toss them in there because it's PPR scoring. And so then you can fit in as many of these high-priced wide receivers as possible. Uh, we've gone through this wave this year where there was a wave where like a bunch of 5K, 6K wide receivers were scoring 30-plus points. And so even though the high-priced running backs were overpriced, it still was kind of optimal to pay up for them because you know salary then led you to these 5K, 6K guys. But those guys are now priced up, right? They're no longer 5K, 6K. Uh, and then there's also this wave over the last few weeks of like, the high priced wide receivers were all, it was like Devontae Adams with Aiden O'Connell or, um, you know, like the, these guys, Stefan Diggs, you know, in a bad matchup and not, not getting the same usage. Like, but now all of a sudden we've got Cup, we've got Nakua, we've got Debo, we've got Ayuk, uh, we've got uh, AJ Brown playing against the Cardinals or playing against the, yeah, playing against the Cardinals. Like, the, this sets up as one of those weeks where, like, we've got Nico Collins back playing against the Titans and nobody on him. Sets up as one of those weeks where, like, several of these 7K plus wide receivers, could put up 30, 35, 38 points. Um, and so like that just roster construction approach of, hey, pay down at running back, save your salary for these guys, I think is very interesting this week just because that is the best way to go on paper and not a lot of people will go that way. Yeah, I, so you mentioned salary allocation a couple of times. And actually I'm interested, I think, in maybe not, you know, in using some of the cheaper quarterbacks, but not necessarily like going with a game stack from that quarterback, but instead like take a quarterback as you know, one of his cheaper wide receivers um, and then game stack a, a game that has really expensive pieces, but not necessarily using the quarterback from that. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that. So like, I, I like the idea maybe um, like, I, I don't think like two is like kind of a quarterback. It's, it's kind of a, become apparent. He's not really worth it. Like he's not putting up like scores that you need at his salary. But, it, you know, Tyreek Hill obviously is. <laughs> so, you know, like, and, and Tyreek is really expensive. So if you can take one of the cheaper quarterbacks, just say like um, Jacoby Brissett and, and Terry McLaurin or Curtis Samuel or something. And then you're, you know, you're pairing that with like Tyreek Hill and Zay Flowers. Um, then you've suddenly got like a game stack of the Miami Baltimore game and you're hoping that game goes off and you're just hoping that like Curtis Samuel, you know, or Curtis Samuel gets like a touchdown, right? And that, that pays off his price. Maybe he gets a handful of receptions, but I think that's something I'm interested in doing is it's yeah, like creatively allocating salary uh, like we haven't in years past. Like in years past, it was more just like stack a game. Like you want to double stack the, your quarterback, you know, two wide receivers from his team, and then a run back, you know, or, you know, a wide receiver tight end from the opposing team. And now it's more like, I just want to get the cheap quarterback uh, and then maybe pair him with some of the really expensive wide receivers and and running backs, uh, and that's kind of the game stack that I'm that I'm interested in. I don't know if that works as well on Fanduel. I think on Fanduel I'm more likely to like use Lamar Jackson um, because you just aren't really under as strict of a salary constraints. I think on on Fanduel, um, but yeah, I think on DraftKings, I think salary allocation is going to be uh, you know can you use it in some creative ways this week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just looking through these wide receivers, right? Like. Uh, Tyree Kill can put up 40, AJ Brown can put up 40, Cup can put up 40, Nakua can put up 40, Mike Evans, even in a bad matchup, can put up 40, uh, Debo can put up 40, uh, Devontae Smith can put up 40, Nico can put up 40, or, or all these guys you can say 35 plus, right? And Ayuk can put up 40, and then you get below 7K, you get Alave, 
But then it's like DJ Moore's in a horrible matchup. He's got the ankle issue. T. Higgins is playing Kansas City. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins kind of that outside shot. Adam Thielen doesn't have the same role he had earlier in the year. Like you're basically down to all guys who their good games are going to be like 20 points, right? But you get up above that 7K and above price range at wide receiver, and there's just like all these guys who can hit. So yeah, I just think it's a really interesting week where if three of these high-priced wide receivers hit, that's going to end up being the, the way to go. And I just don't think that, that that's the way that most people are looking to build this week because again, people don't people think more about like okay, what's the floor on these pieces, and they think less about what could be the had to have it pieces on the week. What could be the pieces you had to have in order to win a tournament? I mean, like Debo's got 37 plus in two of his last five games. And in both of those games, Christian McCaffrey scored in the low twenties or high teens, right? So it's like the leverage is there. Like you're, you're hurting the McCaffrey rosters. You're getting those Debo points. So yeah, I just think that the, there's just a lot of interesting things we can do this week. Um, before we kind of move off of quarterbacks, one guy uh, we haven't talked about, that's not in the 5,300 and below range, but right above that, uh, Derek Carr, I think really interesting this week. Um, you know, he's been playing much better lately. Um, you know, 300, 300 yard game a couple weeks ago, three touchdowns last week, I think two touchdowns, two touchdowns a week before that. Um, and then, you know, no Taysom Hill. So you got, uh, and then Rashid Shahid's playing like over 80% of the snaps now. So like, uh, uh, car plus Shahid is a really interesting, cheap way to go. It, you know, as opposed to like the Tyrod Taylor and Waller or Brissett and whoever else, you know, um, and that's in like a really good matchup against Tampa Bay that that game could could become interesting. So, yeah, that's one that I wanted to mention that, that has been standing out to me as well as a way to save salary and do things differently. Interesting. Yeah, I I kind of gotten away. I think in the entire field has kind of gotten away from playing Derek Carr because there's this threat of like Taysom Hill. Um, and that doesn't seem as prevalent anymore. Like they're really not using him as a, as a passer as much. Um, and I think Alvin Kamara, I read right before we came on the show, he's uh, I think listed as questionable. I think it's an illness. So it's seems likely he'll, he'll play. Maybe it was just that he, he missed practice um, with an illness. So he'll probably play, but I think like, especially if Kamara is, is out or, or limited, um, that would definitely increase like the, the Derek Carr interest. I think Chris Olave is going to get a lot of interest because they're playing yeah. today. And so that's a really good matchup, but I think people are just going to use Olave as a one-off and actually like playing Derek Carr and pairing with Rashid Shahid, it, you know, is definitely a different way of looking at that game through the same lens, right? Through the same lens of, I think the, you know, New Orleans passing game can do well against Tampa Bay, but instead of just playing Chris Olave as a, as a one-off, like going with Derek Carr and Rashid Shahid is, is pretty interesting. Um, I actually have a, a quarterback, and, and actually it's more a wide receiver. You already mentioned him, um, but I'm interested in the Houston passing game as well. I, I think a lot of people aren't going to go there because there is, you know, like it's kind of evolving to like a basketball news-driven type, type slate where, you know, we're seeing which backup quarterbacks are starting at really low price and, What's the injury news going to, you know, how's that going to affect things? Like Houston just has a good matchup against Tennessee. I mean, that's yep. a, a defense that, you know, people have been passing on all, all year. Um, I was looking earlier, some, somebody was asking me like, um, like best, like big play wide receivers or something. I think both Nico Collins and Noah Brown, I think are in the top, uh, top eight or so for yards per reception. And that's, that's one of the things that I think is an underlooked at uh, statistic, just because, like that is exactly what we want from a game environment is we want a guy catching the ball, running all the way down the field, scoring a touchdown, turning the ball back over to the other team. Um, so I'll definitely, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be somewhat popular this week, but I love the idea of like, you know, pairing him. Um, if you get like CJ Stroud, you know, like Nico Collins and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, that is actually a game stack that I have some interest in. It's kind of in the middle, middle of the pricing range. Um, but I, yeah, there's, it, I don't know, it feels to me like there's offense everywhere. Um, and yeah, people are not talking about like the Saints 
you know, as much like Derek Carr and, and the Houston passing game. Yeah, I haven't. I, I need a. I'm kind of in the middle of writing up my my player grid uh, today, which is uh, my obviously my player pool. Um, so I haven't run these like updated these numbers yet. But earlier in the year, there was like so there's a stretch Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, where Stroud just played poorly, right? And earlier in the year, if we took out that stretch, it was like every single game it was like eight games that the Texans had produced that, so that Stroud had played. Take out that little stretch in there where he wasn't playing as well, and it was like seven or eight games where the Texans had produced a, a wide receiver score of like 26 plus DraftKings points in every single one of those games. Right. And so it's like almost been a guarantee that you're getting 26 plus DraftKings points from one of these wide receivers on this offense when Stroud is under center. And then they've got this great matchup against Tennessee and, and you don't have tank Dell out there. So you know that Nico Collins is the alpha. And then obviously like you could have 70 percent Nico not 70 percent of your rosters but like if you're going to say hey half my rosters will have a Texans wide receiver right 70 percent of that exposure could be Nico and then 30 percent could be Noah Brown to where you're saying okay like if Nico misses I've got my hedge bet but it's highly likely that one of these guys produces a big game that's like anytime we can find those things you know turn the math in our favor that's what I'm looking to do is okay it's highly likely that one of these 49ers pieces including CMC right but one of these 49ers pieces scores 27 plus it's highly likely that one of these Rams pieces scores 27 plus highly likely that one of these Texans wide receivers scores 27 plus. So like if I can mix and match these pieces, like that, that gives me a chance to get that right combo. And I'm so far ahead of the field. If I get that right combo. Um, so for single entry, obviously you're kind of saying, okay, let me pick who's my favorite or, or how do I want to play this or how does the salary fit? But um, broadly speaking, like I just think mixing and matching some of these spots really puts you well ahead of the field. It gives you that chance for that one roster where everything comes together on it. Is there is there one game environment that like jumps off the page to you this week? Uh, just like I guess you know for a single entry, it's a originally a single entry show. Um, you know if you're if you're doing one entry or maybe um, you know maybe just a very limited number of entries uh, in, into a single entry contest. Is there one game environment that jumps off the page to you where you think you'll have you know a couple of wide receivers from that game? Or running backs. No, no. Like the the thing is, the Rams offense, the Eagles offense, the 49ers offense are the ones that feel like the highest floor, highest ceiling plays, but the game environment has like nothing going for it, right? And the, those players are so expensive that those are kind of onesies to me. Obviously, you can play with the quarterbacks, but um, and then and then in terms of like full on game environments, I think this uh, Titans Texans game and the Saints Bucks game are really the ones that game environment wise uh, stand out to me. What about you? Do you have anything that's like from that standpoint that stands out to you? I do. I have one that I haven't like priced it out yet. I, so I haven't like made a roster like this, but I, I'm really interested in the Baltimore Miami game. Right. Um, and I, I think it's two good teams and they have two good defenses. Well, like Baltimore is at least, you know, pretty good defense. I mean, Miami's not bad, but I, it seems like one of those games where things could get elevated. Um, you know, because you have such big playmakers, like these teams put up 80 points last season in a game that similarly was not expected to uh, shoot out. I think it had about the same total as this game. I think it was like 44 last year. Like it was low. It might've might even been like 42 or 43. Like no one was on that game last year. Yeah. And they, they put up 80 points. And the reason they put up 80 points is like, you know, Tyree kills just running down the field with the ball. Like Lamar Jackson just running down the field with the ball. We've seen that from like Baltimore this year, Um, you know, some from both Baltimore and Miami this year. Um, I, you know, like the idea of Zay Flowers is playing like he's not too expensive to to fit into a, a stack. This probably works better with Lamar Jackson on on FanDuel than it does on DraftKings. You probably do have to go to one of the cheaper quarterbacks if you're going to get like Tyree Kill and Zay Flowers. Um, but I think that's a game environment that 
it could be elevated over the total. Um, and we'd just be shaking our heads afterwards saying, well, how could we have not seen it? And I don't always like look back at like, oh, last year these teams did this or that or last matchup. But, like last year, these teams put up a good number of, you know, put up 80 points for a reason. And, and all of those guys are still expected to be in this game. So I think that's the one that, that jumps off the page to me. Yeah, if you if you think of if you put yourself at Sunday night and like things not working out, a lot of these other ones you, you could see like building around it, it doesn't work out, and on Sunday night you're like, why did I do that? Like if if you built Lamar, Tyreek, Zay Flowers, and it didn't work out, like Sunday night you wouldn't be like, what was I thinking? Yeah, right. you'd be like, well, we play the slate out a hundred times. This is gonna hit for some big scores sometimes. Yeah, uh, right after I, you you asked that question, I kind of laid out what I said, and then I was like, well, obviously Dolphins Ravens too was my next thought. Um, yeah, and you know Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I was saying this on on my show with Pete Overzet earlier today, but I think it's critical to, to understand these defenses, right? Where um, what I was saying earlier was the Ravens aren't a superstar defense. Like Patrick Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith in the middle are, are superstars, but that's like that's the middle of the field. That's the linebackers. That's not like difference making on a macro scale. This isn't a superstar defense, and they're really a lot like the Vikings in that they're just so hard to play against because they throw so much at a quarterback that, that messes with the quarterback. And then their one superstar player is Kyle Hamilton. And so if you take Kyle Hamilton off, like they're still a better, right? We came into the season being like, man, the Vikings defense is going to be awful. Everybody's going to pick on them. And then Brian Flores is just able to put things together in such a way that they're almost always difficult. But last week, we didn't get to do the show together last week, but last week, one of the things I talked about was like Ben Johnson and the Lions are the perfect type of team that can exploit. They're they're more talented than the Vikings. They can't exploit everything that the Vikings are trying to do. So if Kyle Hamilton misses, again, the Ravens are more talented than the Vikings, but they are kind of like a Vikings defense on steroids, right? Like they're not a superstar defense. They just throw a lot at the quarterback. So I could see if Kyle Hamilton tends out, which it's trending that direction, uh, that Mike McDaniel could kind of figure out like, okay, Here's what we need to do to exploit everything that the Ravens are throwing at us. So uh, I think the Kyle Ham from like a football knowledge standpoint, like I look at this and I say, oh, this is the type of spot where if Kyle Hamilton is missing in action, it actually dramatically changes and, and does give this extra little pathway to the, the Dolphins figuring out, okay, we do this over here, pulls the defense in this direction, it gets Tyree Kill open. Like uh, even without Jalen Waddle, they kind of piece this together and it could be a, a high scoring game. So Ravens are a better team, but then that means they're kind of going step for step, punch, punch for punch. Um, since Mark Andrews has been out, uh, Zay Flowers is like 20 plus points, I think, in three of his last four games, 20 plus DraftKings points. So um, targets have been up for him. So, yeah, no, I, I like that shout a lot right there. All right. Uh, hot takes. Do you have something ready? Yeah. Um, why, don't, why, don't, why, don't, why don't you go first? I'll figure out which what I want to grab from all the things that, I, that are hot takes for me this week. So, yeah, so mine is, is actually just one last team that I, I kind of wanted to hit on. Um, but my hot take this week, I think Travis Kelsey scores multiple touchdowns for the first time this year, um, going against Cincinnati Bengals defense. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of an overlooked spot. I think at the beginning of the year, you know, we'd been like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and got kind of, you know, at least really want to win this game for playoff seeding. It's at home. It's against one of the worst defenses in the league against both the you know run and the pass. Um, I think, and you know, the and the running backs are a little bit dinged up. I think we would have been like, oh, yeah, like Patrick Mahomes is going to see incredible ownership. Like Travis, everyone's going to be all with Travis Kelsey. Like Mahomes and Kelsey have not had bad seasons. They just haven't had like the top shelf seasons where you're used to them having. Uh, and I, that's in the field is starting to play them like less and less and less. And the price is starting to like creep down a little bit. And I think it's maybe it's that in that window where like they're not going to be played as much as they have a chance of really breaking the slate. So I think that's another single entry you know, spot. 
I, you know, if you don't like Baltimore or Miami, that, uh, you know, I think like pairing like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I think you actually have the money, especially if you get some of the value pieces. Like, I think you can do that this week, and it's not going to be owned as, as highly as it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my hot take, and then I'll give my thoughts on that. Um, I'll do my hot take. It'll be Nico Collins will be the highest scoring wide receiver this week. Um, broad range of outcomes. It's a hot take. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily believe that, but I certainly think that's in the in the realm of reasonable possibilities, and nobody's going to be attacking him uh, with that mindset. So uh, a lot of edge available there. Uh, yeah, so it's funny. The Patrick Mahomes thing, well, yesterday – I was like, oh, man, this is sneaky. Like, nobody's going to be on Mahomes and all the things that you just said, right? Like, he could actually – he has one tournament-worthy game all year. And it was like, man, this could be the second one. Like, this could be that game where Mahomes comes out and puts up 35. Like, the Bengals have given them a hard time in the past. Jamar Chase has been talking trash this week about the Kansas City defense. It's like, what if Mahomes and Kelsey come out and have a signature game? And and then I flipped over the cards this morning, looked at ownership for the first time, and it was like Mahomes projecting for pretty decent ownership. Um Rasheed Rice projecting for high ownership at this as, at this ridiculously high price tag. Kelsey projecting for high ownership, and it was kind of like, oh man, like what a bummer. But that same thing happened to me earlier this year with Lamar Jackson. It was what, what game was that? It was uh, the game against Detroit where he, where he put up thirty seven point nine DraftKings points. And Thursday night, I was like, man, I hadn't thought about Lamar Jackson. He's super sneaky. And then when I looked at ownership on Friday morning, I was like, well, he shouldn't be high owned, right? So I ended up not playing him at all and like moved from this realization of like, oh, he's actually a sneaky play to being like, oh, it's dumb that he's high owned. So I'm not playing him at all. Right. I don't think Mahomes should be high owned. And also this is Friday algorithm driven ownership projections, you know, over under. So I think his ownership could come down, but um, yeah, I don't want to make that same mistake. Like I don't think he should be high owned. I think he should be a sneaky play, but he is also like a really interesting play this week. And so um, yeah, he's one of the more intriguing options to me on this slate where he could be that guy who puts up 35 points and kind of puts the slate out of reach. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think people are just are going to be off of him. I and I don't know. Like I haven't really looked at ownership projections that much. I thought you were going to say like everybody's talking about him because <laughs> I, I haven't like read that much content <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, it just struck me as I think he's been getting less and less popular. Um, and the offense hasn't performed like we want. I think that is going to maybe drive ownership, maybe even more than the the algorithm. It's just the public perception but it'll be interesting to see um any any final thoughts on the week to wrap things up just a really interesting week no uh no final thoughts i'm excited for this one excited for uh what 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 live whatever are you at right now what's this trip oh, it's just a family vacation oh nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the final uh yeah it was two weeks ago okay um, it, we went pretty well I, I had four entries between I think 18 and 40, um, which is like the worst way of doing well. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> You'll take it though. We'll take it. Yeah. Uh, no, no final thoughts. Uh, excited about this week. Uh, looking forward to um, totally different next week is like a totally different sport practically. Uh, so looking forward to that one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, that'll do it for Solo Ship uh, week 17. We'll see you guys next week.